Hello listeners, welcome back to A Kenyan American in the United States. I'm your host Grace Kisirkoi and today's show will be highlighting the key factors to consider when um, deciding or selecting a graduate program or like a PhD product program, um, typically internationally or um, in the US. Uh, I think a lot of the tips would actually apply in uh, lots of different places. Um, and these are tips that I would want to tell myself. Um, it doesn't mean necessarily that I would change any of the choices I have made. I think if I knew these tips right off the bat, I would just be more empowered. Uh, I wouldn't be stumbling around and having anxiety about my decision process. I would have a lot more clarity and I'd just be intentional and just feel like I'm in control and I've got like a much more smoother and pleasant experience. And so if you or anyone you know is in this space right now, this episode is for you. Um, Yeah, feel free to share it and I'll be right back with all the tips. I'll be spilling all the tea that I would like to tell myself back then. All right, hold tight and I will tell you everything in a second. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It is free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Before we get into specifics, um, I think a really important thing to get aware about is what are the key measures of success in the field you're looking at. So if it's publications, so highlight all the important um key notifications so sort of what is considered and recognized in your field um sorry it's raining outside so you can probably hear it in the sound but uh yeah so um important an important thing measure to look at in different programs is uh what are the key measures of uh, success and usually that's like publications um whether you write many review papers um how well funded uh those different research topics are so just be cognizant of that um, so that way that is a big point to consider when re- choosing either a research group or where you're going to end up in terms of like the school itself or the department um, sort of the, the general attitudes towards those key measures of success in that program so the first factor that I think I would tell myself and just from also my experience with my friends um, to consider uh, and just be really aware of is personal finances when trying to join grad school. Um, this is because uh, as, as far as I've seen, a lot of grad students, even sometimes the international grad students, when they are coming to start a program um, in, the, like in the US or just internationally, Sometimes they already have like families and maybe they are coming in with a significant other and kids and the benefits package, you kind of want to look at it very thoroughly and um, the cost of living. So basically just look at your personal finances and make sure it makes it makes sense. Um, 
just because uh even the ones that are still in the u.s uh that you're already in the u.s and uh, you're trying to find a local program um you might already have like prior student loans um or just like if you are also an international student you might want to see your family i don't know uh, i think for me it was about once a year which can be really costly i think it would i would need to put away like two thousand dollars which was quite a feat on a student budget so yeah um you definitely really want to think of that um be unambiguously clear on every line item on your budget um you definitely can take account of your phd stipend um and make sure that it will allow like a reasonable standard of living um and if you're comfortable with having roommates to defray the costs and, and of course when you're having roommates for the purpose of defraying the costs uh, you want to also take into account your interests so you make sure that you're coming home to a great environment um, that you're not mismatched as roommates um, and so you uh, you will most likely not have like an a 401k like an employer match like a retirement retirement benefits package just because of how um maybe the program might uh so because of how the uh i think it's hard so for you to get a 401k you you need to be working full-time uh in many places um and then some places don't have like a part-time benefit set up so you want to kind of diy your retirement benefit so you want to be aware and make sure you diy that uh, like understand your options like your vehicles like an ira uh, if you have kids can you maybe use an hsa like a 529 plan um also definitely understand your personal circumstances budget track your expenses maybe meal planning might really help to eat uh tasty meals that are also not as expensive uh so yeah that's i think that's a really big factor that i would tell myself back then to be very aware of um also because i ended up financing a car and that gives me gave me a lot of anxiety because i wasn't used to the financing of uh property um and i remember it was a five-year financing um like a deal for financing our uh, it was kind of like a nine-month car so it was still um i think it was still kind of a smart move because i wanted to make sure my car was completely reliable so i didn't want to buy something really old um and that's why i ended up financing a car because i couldn't afford it right off the bat it was just like a hyundai um a newer one uh it was i think like um like the cost of it made sense monthly but it scared me so much to have that looming above my head for five years that i think i ended up paying it in two years uh just because it was like i just wasn't used to just having that looming over my head for such a long time um but yeah definitely i think that is a major consideration um and this so the reason i ended up financing a car was also because uh the town i lived in uh well we had this was an amazing system of uh public transportation like um it was called like the cat bus and anybody like wherever i lived like it would even come to my apartment and pick us up uh which was awesome but then um over the holidays i think of us like depending on like the summer program or depending on when it was like football season i uh, remember there are days when it wasn't as reliable 
Um, and for example, if I needed like a ride to the airport, uh, I have mentioned before how nice everyone was and everybody was like, oh yeah, if you ever need a ride, just give, just call me and I'll give you a ride to wherever you want. Like I had options, but I think after some time I, it started, I started just realizing I'm going to need a car just so that even I can help new people who are coming, like new international students. Because I remember even helping a friend of mine who was an international student, had a three-year-old, and uh, she wanted to fly out of like uh, a closed state. It was like a two-hour drive um, to a bigger airport that was much cheaper just because also of personal finances. Um, flying from a local small like college town was a lot more expensive. She was going to her country in Tanzania. Um, and so I was like, um, yeah, if I can be a bit more uh, independent, um, it should help. Uh, also because I started to learn about building my credit. And obviously, there's, I've also since learned that this is really e much easier, less sort of uh, credit heavy ways to build your credit than purchasing a big a big ticket item you don't need to purchase a car to build your credit but at the time i was sort of thinking in that like okay yeah i don't think like the trade-offs made sense so that's what i'm just i think my point is really be very intentional in college uh in grad school um take that as an opportunity to just double down on your finances um don't ignore your student loans if you have your student loans uh, don't ignore retirement savings. Just take control. Have the audacity to think of yourself as an investor. Uh, I know it's like the mindset a lot of us have like in grad school is, oh yeah, I'm a student. But also, um, you're also a really good, like you're becoming a major, like you're probably going to start mentoring people. So definitely take that approach and take control and start um, addressing your personal finances and building that for the like for the long term um yeah so that's i belabored that point but i think it's really important um the next thing that i think is really important especially um as some as since i am a person of color uh you want to consider diversity and inclusion um if you're a minority um so <laughs> often the pictures on the website might not actually show the cross-sectional mix in a certain campus um and it's really important to be aware um of like the general just the department or just like the general culture you want to make sure you'll go there and you'll feel comfortable and it won't you want to be just like that duckling that sticks out constantly um uh, because there'll be many things especially if you're coming in internationally um there might be things that are not automatic and sort of they're not intuitive to other people to understand like, wow, what kind of food does she eat? It smells weird. <laughs> like, or, um, that accent is different. Uh, like there's just so many things about yourself that could be just standing out in a place where maybe you're the only person of color or the only person from your region. And, um, you might have to sort of deal with, maybe educating people about like, yeah, I'm just a normal person like everyone else. Um, so just be really aware of uh, at least the diversity and inclusion and the general attitudes around that, like, you know, um, how that particular, whatever you're like the program you're thinking about, um, because depending on where you are, uh, there's definitely different sentiments and you don't want to have to deal with just like, 
uh, feeling unwelcome or maybe like culturally unsafe um, in a in a situation where you're trying to focus on a really difficult program or just like your own like projects. So yeah, I think that's really important to uh, take advantage, like to just not just be very aware of. Um, and um, even when you're doing your tours, just be aware, uh, because even within a department or within labs, there might be micro, just like microcultures. So just be make sure when you're choosing maybe a particular like research group or a particular department um, that you're also taking a, a like taking kind of taking that into account, um, like how comfortable you will feel as somebody who might be among like an underrepresented minority, how inclusive the department is, how inclusive that particular research group is, um, because it will play into how prepared you feel to focus on your work, on what actually brought you there to uh, do the best quality work. Another thing that um, I didn't realize <laughs> um, was that how different local like localities are. Um, so this is something that you want to really consider um, because you definitely want to consider like the cost of living depending on the location. So as an example, uh, many PhD students in some really costly zip codes, such as the Bay Area, they report making like on average, like a little bit over 40,000 annually. And that sounds great if you think about it. Um, if you're like, think about it and compare it to like the average um, amount of money, like a PhD stipend might be. Um, but the cost of living in like the Bay Area, uh, the California, the San Francisco Bay Area is actually 119 over 100, almost 120. Um, and that's just so that people are able to live like a reasonable standard at a reasonable standard. Um, and, uh, so yeah, that's something you really want to consider. So if you could go to a place where you don't need that much to live a good life, a good standard, to have a good standard of living, then, you know, you can weigh all that and also think, take into account, like, just overall, what is different, what are, what is a different location like? So if you enjoy like a more of a suburban feel, you like to like take hikes, um, versus somebody who thrives in like a big city, like, I don't know, New York, um, you might not enjoy just going to like a little rural town uh, that's just a college campus, but somebody who enjoys like outdoors might love that neighborhood, like might love that environment. So you definitely want to think about the location as well as just like overall um, the culture as well, because the location in the U.S. it's so diverse. I didn't actually didn't know, wasn't that aware about that. Uh, so yeah, just think about like, when you're weighing like the cost of living, um, also how culturally, how much does it align with your own culture, um, in terms of what uh, major beliefs people hold in that neighborhood, uh, what en en environment would you find stimulating, enjoyable, and empowering? Because depending on where you end up location-wise, you might feel like you doesn't really align with your your career values and uh, you don't feel validated. So those are really important things to consider. Um, another really, oh yeah, this is this is this might be like kind of obvious, uh, which is um, the PhD stipend. Uh, so I'm assuming you're taking a PhD 
Um, and a lot of people actually do not realize that you get you can get a stipend, which is so great. It's amazing that you can get a PhD stipend um, in, in a lot of programs. So um, that's, I think, is a, a key thing, a key factor. So I would just apply mainly to programs that allow you to get a stipend. Um, and side note, also to add on to this, is um this is probably a point by itself is that i actually didn't know that you can go straight from undergrad to phd if you meet the qualifications and get an assistantship so that pays you a stipend um usually that means you might teach or uh, mostly do some research or mentor undergraduate students which is also a great way to just build your all-rounded career um, but yeah, can you imagine, like, I always thought you have to get a master's because that's how it was in Kenya. You don't go straight from undergrad to a PhD. Um, but yeah, I just want to make sure that I make that, um, like I make anybody who's listening, who's might be in that point, um, thinking about potentially taking that path that you can go straight from an undergrad, um, like your undergrad bachelor's degree to a PhD. Uh, usually a lot of programs require you for you to do that to at least have a GPA of like three so that's similar to a second upper class um, and so if you have a second upper class uh, I think that's pretty similar in Kenya what we call second upper or uh, first class honors so that's a first class honors is like equivalent to like a 4.0 GPA um, yeah as far as like on average and oversimplifying it but um yeah i think that's just like an easy translation <laughs> if you're listening and it, it's not making sense um as far as how you can qualify um beyond that i think other things are looked at like your essays um what you've done like your research so of course if you're applying and you're you're not sure whether you might get directly into the program and get like a stipend which really goes a long way really it's just uh, it's really great that you're able to do that and not worry about just like focus on work and not worry about like juggling different like side gigs that are not really applying to your knowledge base um it's such a big thing to get that help um yeah so uh yeah back to that point about, about phd stipend um, so yeah, when you're considering different programs, um, you also want to be aware that sometimes some programs might charge different kinds of fees, like tuition or maybe like medical like insurance um, or sometimes transportation. Uh, for example, if you bring your car to on campus, you might have to pay parking fees. So this is kind of related to your personal finances. So be aware that the value that's quoted is just a gross amount like the <laughs> uh the um I, i'm laughing because gross i'm thinking like disgusting but it's funny it's just like it's not the net it's the gross amount um that is being quoted but you want to work with the amount that's like after you've deducted all those fees can you actually live on that amount um and um, also to pay attention because some programs pay a nine-month stipend, which means you have to be the one that's aware of how much you're spending and make sure that your nine-month stipend stretches 12 months. This is because programs, uh, especially in the U.S., that's the one I'm aware about, 
they will um over the summer students are out like the undergrads are out of the like the they've closed school um they're home for the holidays and so the like the time you're getting paid is stretched out over like the nine months and then it doesn't actually so over the summer you might not be getting a regular paycheck so it's like all kind of divided out over nine months so you want to make sure that you're very aware uh, whether yours is a nine month or a 12 month uh, salary format. It's like a stipend format and you're being very cognizant and making it stretch um, throughout the year because actually the next time after like the summer, you might re be required to pay extra like the fees and insurance um, and it might be even more than what you are paying for the summer. So you want to make sure that if you're a nine month um, sort of I don't know, is it employee? Like it's usually a mix of being an employee, employee and a student that you're saving up enough so that when it's, it comes due um, for the next semester, you're definitely able to um, not delay your classes and it's just not a, a cause of anxiety for you. Um, and I know that you you're thinking okay maybe that's a lot to juggle but you can actually still apply for extra like assistantships and extra sort of scholarships or fellowships to supplement your base stipend and uh that's a really smart way like um don't be shy to apply don't uh dis don't uh, think that oh maybe i can't qualify and sometimes it even is not that much but you think it's probably a thousand dollars and it's a lot of work you have to write a lot of content to to um, maybe like abstracts and um proposals but to be honest just give it a try and once you write a few sort of abstracts and a few proposals you can just repurpose it and resubmit and it just goes a long way to be honest just keep trying um, I know for me, I was surprised at some of the ones I got and they made a big difference because I had discredited. I was like, I don't think I'll be eligible because uh, there's one that was mainly geared towards people who are researching like in agriculture. Um, and you can, I think you can find ways to relate it to the purpose of the person that's giving you the grant. And I was surprised I actually got it and I was glad it was actually renewable for three years. It made a big difference an extra like 10 grand a year it really made a big difference so yeah i would just encourage you to apply including like travel grants uh, so you can go to conferences um get different mentors get different exposure beyond that it's just fun to go to like see different cities and it's not on your dime because you get paid for the conference fees so just like don't be shy and just find those opportunities to apply because those grants are out there and you can find them and you need to just dare to believe in yourself and apply um, and put together application. Like, I think you get better. Like, it, you never really lose. You just get better with the content, like how to write it and make it sort of very convincing for different granting agencies. And beyond that, you're also uh, building your publication abilities. Um, so, yeah, I'm just encouraging you to just keep on um being fiscally responsible in that front um and then once you are able to do that then if you ever receive like extra monetary awards and you feel like wow i can breathe like i've got room like financial room to breathe then that's when you're still aware like you can even save like i don't know 250 a month and you would invest that diligently like 
in your retirement years, maybe, I don't know, 30, 40 years later, you've saved up like a million bucks and you're safe. You're, you feel, not, not really safe. You feel like you're financially secure and you can retire. And you just started, you know, with a little bit because compound interest, uh, you should go and, uh, compound and look at a compound interest calculator and see how much a little, if you start early, it goes a long way because it compounds and it keeps growing and you just like, you have to just automate it. Um, and I think if you start really early, uh, and you think if a lot of people think that they don't make enough money in, under, in grad school, um, and I know that, um, some of us are probably even sending money back home, which is so generous. I know a lot of my friends who are like from Tanzania or Uganda or like even like South Africa uh, or just anywhere. They're probably whatever money they're earning. Maybe you're helping somebody like paying for like a cousin's education. Like I know a lot of people who are really like every once in a while, they're like generously giving. But you want to pay yourself first because you want to secure your uh it's it's good to do that but make sure it's planned in a budget um and you're actually saving enough so that later you're still able you're still in that position to help others but you've secured it's like you put your own oxygen mask first so be very aware and start saving for your retirement um and putting away enough um in so that it grows while you can because this is a long time usually the phd project like the phd program can be like at least five years so you can really go a long way and i know a lot of the ones even who are in the u.s uh, some people are actually working towards home ownership which i think is great if you know um i don't know for some people home ownership makes sense for others it doesn't because the ones who know where they want to settle down um and they're like i'm here for such a long time anyway i could start um working towards creating equity in a home and you've saved up enough then you know just i just want to make sure you feel empowered that uh if you're in a phd program you don't just like wait for your life to start after the phd program is over just like realize that uh, adulting can be fun because you're taking you've taken charge of your your life and you've got a direction um and you can do it um so um if oh yeah also because you want to keep going to like conferences and um often you might have to pay a lot of it up front and it's usually like a really big chunk so like um you might have to like pay for registration transport room and board i think there's a time that it ended up being pretty close to two thousand bucks and then you if you put that in a credit card then reimbursements usually take a while i remember it would take a while until like the it, it would take longer than that the month that it took because you pay the the cost up front before you even go to the conference and then if you put it on a credit card because you feel like I mean, it's like, it's really hard to afford a big chunk, um, on a small stipend, um, and you'll still get reimbursed, but the reimbursement is after the fact. So it's like maybe a couple months down the line. And that's how people I've heard people who ended up destroying their credit because then, or even having to pay extra fees because the amount you'll be reimbursed is probably exactly how much it costs, but then because you're probably paying late on this credit card by the time it's reimbursed it's dinged your credit 
and that's why it's really important to maintain like enough savings um while uh as much as possible if you can advocate for yourself and try to see if there's ways you can get some of that cost paid directly before so that it's not on you but if it's not uh if you can't i mean at the same time you just want to make sure you have enough savings so that it doesn't affect your credit or impact your ability to go to some really great conferences in your um in your field um and then you know there's actually um uh, like there's resources you can go to compare like different stipends um or even declare your stipend to help other people uh make sure that uh it's all crowdsourced so um i think payscale is one of them um a friend of mine uh, it's actually more of uh, uh, there's somebody who actually has developed a, a data sourcing like a crowdsourced um i think it's called phdstipends.com you can go there um it's somebody i know uh through these platforms sort of in the same content creation space um emily roberts she does an amazing job um co- uh, basically con- uh, conveying conveying all this information and crowdsourcing these resources so um yeah you definitely want to go there and uh, compare what you have i know um it might be a bit overwhelming because sometimes people add all like they are just like the grants and their base pay and then it's hard to compare but at least it gives you a place to start um but overall i think pay scale glass door um what's the other indeed might have some information and then you can compare with the phdstipends.com website where they've got lots of uh, crowdsourced stipends like PhD and I think even postdocs uh, and you see how much relative to what you're making how much you're getting uh, how much you're going to end up with taking home um, yeah another big factor that I think is really important to consider is uh, also look at the benefits package um, just because i've heard a lot of people will start grad school before they turn 26 and so you might already be part of your parents like a really great benefits package um like you have like full medical vision dental like and mental health and so uh before you decide to yeah i've got this package um and and maybe shift to the the university one um make sure you're really looking at it and making sure that it's going to make sense for your needs, uh, your healthcare needs. Um, compare that, like how many, like what is your premium? Um, what's the extent of your coverage? Like if you're, uh, like if you have emergencies or if you're like in, uh, in a setting where maybe you're inpatient costs or outpatient costs, um, how much of that would it cost you? Um, and when you become ineligible, make sure that you're aware of that and you've, uh, you're, you're able to change that to, uh, when you become ineligible, maybe like when you age out of your parents, like really comprehensive coverage, um, you're, you're keeping tabs with that and you're able to shift smoothly to a new benefits package. Um, and now beyond this traditional benefits, I've heard some institutions provide like extra benefits, like subsidized housing, like even free parking, and some of them don't charge tuition. So yeah, just like be when you're comparing different, like making 
making these decisions um you want to pay attention to things like that um because uh it's it really goes a long way in terms of like in future uh how that will affect you because it's such a long time in your life um to be in a program and so you really want to be in control and making and even if you choose a certain program because you probably you it's you're always making the trade-offs but you're being intentional and if you make a decision being intentional even if it's probably not tied to finances uh like the best financial offer then at least you can DIY and maybe save more or reduce your like budget like cut up some uh, cut some active some things that you don't really need like maybe subscriptions um because you're actually getting all your buckets taken care of um and then another important consideration is like what are the policy for side hustling um just because depending on the source of your funding or your program's policies and even your visa status you may not be able to take up like a side hustle uh that is painless and maybe might increase your income in like for example like tutoring um for me i really even now i enjoy tutoring online just because it keeps me really fresh with like the basic like description wise just like the basic content in the periphery of my field since like when you do a phd you get really deep and granular in a particular small field um and so tutoring helps me like just stay true to like remember when i was a novice and uh like really be clear on that on the content um and um make sure that i'm explaining it in a way that's understandable to different audiences so i think it really helps my communication and content creation to to tutor um and uh so and depending on what you're doing uh that could potentially be giving you extra i've heard somebody who was uh had like what this thing called poshmark like she would resell she had a really good eye for like fashionable items and buy like really exp- like really cheap stuff in uh, maybe like um a thrift store and then resell them for a lot of money cuz she would know like what looked amazing um and she would see it and maybe it was like i don't know a couple dollars and she's able to just like put together an amazing outfit and resell for couple hundreds uh and i remember she was talking about how eventually it became like a six figure business so like you never know the things that it may not be like directly related to what you're doing but it's just a fun and it's kind of a, an interesting side hustle as long as it's not taking away from your work um so like what are the policies so that you're able to just do that without worrying like if you, something you really want to do you can check with um the department policies and make sure that it's not going to be cause any problems um yeah so definitely be prepared um and then another extra um i think another extra tip i'm thinking about is support and resources um so what extra support and resources are available to maximize your success in this particular program So uh for example you want to take stock of like research topics of interest um for example what are the like core facilities that are complementary like a library resource that helps you with putting together your dissertation and publications or even like a resource that allows you to practice like putting together um a really good interview like process they can you can practice a mock interview they can look over your CV and improve it 
um, some really amazing programs uh, that where I was, they would used to help international students um, polish up their like documents. Um, so for example, if you are trying to write like a cover letter for an internship or something like a job or they or um, even like a grant application, some uh, really kind English majors that are very good at writing could read over your whatever you're writing and make sure it made sense and it was an easy read. Um, so yeah, what extra support and resources are there to sort of really help you along? Um, so yeah, consider programs that can prepare you as a whole. Um, so as far as other, like what other non-academic options can you try to like dip your feet in, like teaching, um, maybe you can get like a teaching certification or, uh, get exposed to like science writing, even entrepreneurship or business, like consultation, leadership and money management, just so that you're as equipped as possible for the realistic job market as soon as you get out of that program. Um, and you don't, well, as soon as you come out of the program, you're able to sort of hit the floor running and take advantage of all opportunities and transfer your skills because you feel very well equipped. Um, and uh, definitely safeguard your money mindset. It's really important because uh, I think generally, uh, which this is great. Uh, I think it's a great mindset because there's cultural volunteerism in academia, which is really great because you're able to crowdsource research um, and make it publicly available. But as far as um, you want to also make sure that you're being aware, if you're constantly volunteering your time, um, that doesn't kind of trickle down into your mindset about money so that when you finish your program, you are able to see that your time is worth money. So just safeguard your money mindset um, because you have put a lot of time and energy into furthering your education and contributing to like gaps in knowledge in your field. So if you start a business and you still have like a general like feeling of cultural volunteerism, it could work against you becoming more established and scaling your business. Um, and making sure that you're getting paid a fair wage. Um, so yeah, just while you're volunteering, make sure that whatever you're volunteering is something meaningful and you're also still aware of your time um, and the value of your time and uh, you're safeguarding your mindset, your money mindset. Um, another thing that I've heard from other uh, grad students sort of like following certain strings like on Quora sometimes I like to read questions and answer questions um, based on what people say um, and like different people's experiences or international students or even just like local um, students in the US they say that um, like the grad student experience um, is a can be like a conundrum between like two dual roles that Often they work together, like the employer versus, are you an employee? Are you a worker? Are you like a student? And sometimes some students have trouble navigating, like getting some kind of, like feeling like they've got a little bit of uh, protection, um, like a work protection. So uh, they say that some product, some programs that allow unionization can help to sort of safeguard, like you're not working, like, I don't know, 200 hours uh, day and night um, that it's it kind of helps to make sure that you're you're getting very like you're getting 
rest and you're getting like you're not getting burnt out and uh if you're being if you're working extra it's all taken care of um and um this like unionization for a lot of people say can have positive impact like some of them can negotiate like a living wage stipend or like comprehensive health insurance or even like lower tuition fees or even like a tuition payment plan so you don't have to pay like a full lump sum at once it can even protect against like harassment of any kind discrimination and being overworked and in some cases they help to like um negotiate travel grants so for example in that case where i said like you might have to pay a lot of money up front for like to go to a travel grant some of these unions might help to negotiate so that you are able to get that up front taken care of by the university or uh the research project you're on um and so yeah some people think that that is a game changer um in a program um yeah so uh, i'd love to hear any other considerations you might have any tips anything you've thought you thought might be helpful uh please email us if you have any tips any of your experiences uh if you want us to feature any of your experiences that you think might be helpful for anyone or even just if you have a question that uh, you want a bit more clarification on i'd love to hear from you my email address is grace.kisirkoi at moneysmartphd.com you could also easily find me on um Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, pretty much um on a lot of platforms. Um but yeah, I check my emails regularly and will respond. Thank you so much for your audience and I uh, will speak again with you next week.